age selfishly. Be who you want to be. Don't let the turkeys get you down. Whatever cliche I can throw at that idea. It's, it's just so important to milk the moments, whatever we have left. And of course, we never know. From the time we're born, we never know when the last day will be. But I got to say, there's more in the rear view, I think, than there is in the road ahead of me. So just love yourself and let yourself be who you are. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer women. Are we wise women? Are we mavens? Are we crones? Hell yeah. And we're also still curious, fun-loving, interesting, the list goes on. This podcast is for you. My guests are folk who have a message for our demographic. And if you want to hear a specific message, let me know and I'll find the guests. This podcast is also a conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. I try and let my guests have the greater say, and usually we fit in a good laugh or two. Listen in now to today's guest. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. We're boomers roughly 57 to 77 years old. We're all well acquainted with the obvious, gray hair, some wrinkles, maybe some achy joints, not as fast as we used to be. And then there's all the stuff we hear and see on media, supplements for everything and anything, HRT, incontinence, brain food, and then there's increased risk of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, actually scaring myself as I speak. <laughs> the, the first line I read when I found today's guest was, aging happens, don't let it ruin your life. Love that. She says, it's an act of rebellion to stand up for how you want to age. I consider myself a bit of a rebel. Greg then says, we're more than just a bunch of aging cells, and she relies on intuition, inner wisdom, to guide her in business and life. This is going to be an interesting conversation. Gregory Ann Cox, welcome to the Boomer Women's Podcast. Thank you, Agnes. I'm very excited to be here. I love the your website, like all the vibrant colors and boom, like we are booming. And what does that mean? We're not just like fading away. That's right. It's boom with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, your business is called Rebellious Wellness. Explain that. Well, uh, I think my mother would say, were she alive today, that I came in with a rebellious spirit. I was went to Catholic school. I, I was obedient. I was polite. I curtsied. I shook hands. That's how old I am. We did that in Catholic school. And yet there was this need to not do things exactly the way school wanted me to, not draw inside the lines kind of thing. And it stayed with me and has served me. And as I got into perimenopause is really when I started this, my health coaching business, I just started writing about what I was experiencing. And my mother, unfortunately, um, she passed away when she was 49 of pancreatic cancer. And that sparked something in me because the doctors, they sent her home from the hospital, said there's nothing we can do. And I thought this is crazy. There was just some instinct in me that said there's got to be some alternative or something adjunct to what they can and can't do in the Western medicine model. 
And so I started researching natural health and all this stuff. Of course, there was nothing I could have done for her, nor could any alternative practitioner, perhaps if she had enough mindset, I don't know. But it did lead me down the path of study of alternatives. And as I got older, I studied nutrition and I thought, well, this is one piece of it. And I was, I became a chef. So the nutrition piece and the food piece dovetailed nicely. But there was always something else that I, I knew it wasn't just medicine and food and food is medicine, all that great stuff. What about how we think about how we age? I'm answering your question indirectly, I know. And so I started in my mid forties to really explore the spiritual inner game, as well as the food piece and the exercise and what should we be doing and how to avoid surgeries. And it melded into this thing that I called rebellious wellness. I spent eons with a coach trying to name this business. <laughs> and actually the first business was midlife with a vengeance, but once you're out of midlife, that kind of doesn't work anymore. And so it just seemed to me that this embodies the idea that there are many, there's not one way to do anything. There's not one food program. There's not one exercise program, but there is one thing I think we have in common as aging humans, and that is choice. Now, somebody might immediately say, I don't have a choice. I genetically have X, Y, and Z, or I don't have a choice. I'm just not a very active person. I hate to exercise. Within those kinds of limitations, I believe there are still things we can do to age as gracefully, as happily, and vibrantly as possible. So the rebellious piece of it is just say no to what you don't want people, like people want us to do certain things. People want to put us on statins. People want to talk about heart disease, as you mentioned, and diabetes risk and all these risk, 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 risks. They're there, but so is getting hit by a bus. So what if the rebellious part of you says, I'm going to shut out that noise and I'm going to bring in, as you mentioned, my inner wisdom, alternative sources of information that are proven and rooted in science. All of my work has a science base. Now, are there double blind placebo controlled studies for acupuncture? Probably not. And for, you know, the spiritual game and mindset work, I don't think there are those kinds of studies, but they are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, proven to work, all kinds of things. So the rebellious piece is have it your way, but you have to find out what that means, right? To you, you can't just go off and start body hacking and biohacking and then hope for a good outcome. You have to have like sort of a plan. Sort of plan. <laughs> I'm kind of a sort of planning kind of girl. Okay, I'm gonna go back and clarify one thing because I'm almost 70 and I still refer to this time of age as midlife. I mean, okay, I'm well, not at the beginning, I'm not at the end, it's somewhere in the middle. Oh, so you okay. just said being past midlife, you changed the name of your company, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've touched on a few things and I, I want to get into a bunch of things in a bit more depth. Um, I started by saying that I was a little bit of a rebel. Most of my friends are very similar. Uh, they might just call themselves proactive. But what should we be doing today to, well, to enjoy today, but also make sure we enjoy 110 when we get there? That's a great question. And I would say that there are five things that I call the power five. And they are as simple as can be. They are diet agnostic cultural agnostic. So it doesn't mean you have to be one food eater type or exerciser or not, but there are five things. And one of the, I used to call it a circle and each thing independently is important, but they each help each other become easier to do. 
And then the sleep research got more and more um, voluminous recently. And I would say that now it's not a circle, it's a foundation with kind of like a rainbow. (laughs) So sleep is the bottom and it makes everything else easier. What is everything else? Everything else is fall in love with fat. Fat is the number one energy source for humans. The only two nutrients we need are fats and proteins. There is no need for carbohydrate. I am not anti-carb. I'm simply saying protein fuels the body in, I mean, fat fuels the body in a way that nothing else can. If you think of a fire, when we start a fire, we put on kindling because we want it to burn really fast. That's a carbohydrate. We want the fire to keep burning. We put a log on and we sit back in our nice Adirondack chairs on the deck and watch all the pretty colors. That's the fat and the protein. They're slow burning sources of energy. Protein's less of an energy source, fat is, but you usually find them together. Like in salmon, there's protein and fat. In nuts, protein and fat. So I think these days fat doesn't have as bad a rap as it did in the 80s when we all went snack well crazy. But there are still people that feel like when it says one teaspoon of fat in the pan, they have to be like measuring Girl, I'm like the Italians. I've got my olive oil bottle on my salad in the pan. It doesn't, it just, it's all good. So fat is important. Protein I mentioned, super important, especially as we age, we tend to eat differently, maybe less. And most women get less protein than they need. What you need is debatable. So many grams per body pound. And I don't want to give any ratios because it's all over the board. I don't know what the actual best ratio for a woman in there. 60s, 70s is. But it is important. And it's important that we get the sources that have all of the amino acids in them. If you're vegetarian, it's easier. If you're vegan, it's very difficult to get all of those things and B12, things like that. So you just have to be really careful about supplementing. You mentioned supplements, not a bad thing, but there isn't a supplement for everything. (laughs) Some things we have to do ourselves. The word supplement means we add a little something to the picture, right? So we're going to love fat. We're going to make sure we're getting enough protein. Then there's balancing your blood sugar. And I've been saying this for probably 15 years. And now all of a sudden, every doctor that I follow on social media is like the importance of balancing your blood sugar, which is great. I'm not saying that I'm so great. I'm just saying it's such a big message. And you know, Western medicine tends to catch on a little bit more slowly at times than we'd like. And it doesn't take a science degree. You simply have to tune in and listen to your body. You will know that you're out of balance. If you get tired right after you eat, you've probably had too much food that raised your blood sugar and now you're starting to crash. You will also have cravings right after you eat or soon after you eat. It's like, I haven't even eaten, I'm starving. Pretty much that's a blood sugar issue. If you go to sleep and you wake up suddenly in the middle of the night, could be a blood sugar issue depending on when your last bite of food or sip of wine or cocoa, whatever it is. And the importance of balancing our blood sugar is like all important, universally important because insulin resistance is caused by too much sugar, which can't get into the cells. So the cells say, I mean, the body says, oh, we need more insulin because insulin puts sugar where it should be. And it creates this whole big mess. Inflammation, diseases like diabetes are common and there's no reason for them. In the old days, they said, what, I worked for a heart surgeon. I opened a restaurant with him uh, back in the 80s. And he said that at the time, if 60% of the people that he did heart surgery on didn't need heart surgery, if they would change the way they lived. Nowadays, it's 
that's a huge increase since 1985 or whenever it was at nine that I was working with him. So all of that to say, if you hear the message, balance your blood sugar, and it's like, I don't even know how to do that. Do a little research. You can go to my site. I've got information on it. The power of five. There's a whole, a whole one whole day in an email that I explain it. And then the other is the mindset. How are you thinking about what's possible? I was thinking of a, of a blog post I wanted to write today about, would you consider the possibility that it isn't hard? Like people say, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to do that. I, I can't even think about that. I get it. I get it. And especially, I don't know about you, Agnes, but as I've gotten older, I don't tolerate what I imagine will be hard because I think, well, I don't really, I'm doing fine. I don't, I don't need that. Right. But in a way, the things that I'm saying are too hard, probably not. I just have this resistance to putting them into my routine. And I don't like routine. <laughs> I'm a very routinized person. But somehow my brain says, you don't like routines, Kirk. So anyway, those are the things that are super important. And the mindset piece, if we don't think something's possible for us, we won't even go in search of it. If we say, I've tried everything, we won't look for that one last thing that might make the difference. So that's what I think everybody can do. I mean, aside from, you know, drinking water and moving your body. Exercise is one in, is in there too. I forget. I must have skipped it. I, it maybe there's six, power of six now. <laughs> because we do have to move. There's no question. Um, and sitting for really long periods of time, like a lot of us are at our desk still now. Um, we just need to get up every once in a while. I'm not saying we should change our whole life. Just that we should get up every hour, move around for five minutes and sit back down. One thing you said that uh, made me realize that, you know, oftentimes we think, oh, yeah, I should be doing that. But we get stuck in our ways and, and change oh, yeah. is kind of hard. Yeah. But um, yeah. can we go back and discuss sleep? Because I have been hearing different, like the, the two extremes where too much sleep can actually uh, contribute to uh, like dementias, that sort of thing. Uh, but then too little sleep contributes to other things. Is there a happy medium or just get as much sleep as you can or, or what's the you know i am not familiar with the too much sleep issues only that i know it makes people kind of groggy you know sometimes you wake up and you like in the old days uh, this doesn't happen anymore if i slept nine hours on my one day off because when i was a chef i worked six days for i don't know how many decades that one day off i would just want to sleep 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 but i was young but there were times when i just felt like oh i had too much sleep i wish i'd gotten up early so that i i can't speak to that but one of the myths about aging is that we need less sleep as we age. Who decided that? Because we age, I mean, because we sleep less, science has decided that's what happens when we age. But some of the best sleep researchers out there say that that's not true and that we have to do everything we can to return to some as close to the best sleep we've ever had as possible. So that means deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep, and hopefully you're not awake too much, but being awake throughout the night is a normal process. We don't even notice half the time. Now, how do we do that? It's it's challenging. I'm not going to lie. I used to be the sleeper queen. Go to bed, wake up eight hours later, refreshed. Nowadays, it's not so easy. I go to sleep, but I and I wear my little Fitbit tells me whether I've had this much deep sleep and REM sleep. And I'm good in the REM category and I'm good in the light sleep, but the deep is... Like I'm chasing something and I can't seem to find what it is to bring that back. But I feel rested. And so I think that's also the thing. If, excuse me, if you wake up 
and you've been in bed for seven or eight hours and you're just like dragging, exhausted, then I would look at your sleep habits. It's easy. You can Google sleep habits, sleep routines, and cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, for people that really have insomnia, is proven to be a wonderful tool, uh, as is meditation. And again, these are things that people may not have as a habit, but if they want to sleep, and really, you talked about dementia, lack of sleep over time leads to dementia. It makes it more possible. I shouldn't say it leads to. It sets the body up to have not the resources to stay, have your brain stay vital and everything else too. Lack of sleep puts belly fat, right? Because of cortisol, we wake up, we're like, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, we're stressing, cortisol circulates and it loves to put belly fat on our bodies. I don't know why, do our bellies need more fat to be protected? <laughs> I don't think so, why doesn't? <laughs> so that you can roll over on your stomach and not sleep um <laughs> just this morning on the news i heard something that uh even a well it, it should be less than 30 minutes but to have a nap during the day apparently is also My very healthy mentioned that too yeah yeah so that's something. so i had a little nap this afternoon <laughs> i was planning on it anyway it was like should I ride my bike or should I take a nap? I have to get on a podcast and be fresh. So I think a nap is the right answer. And then he told me that. I was like, all right, I'll see you later. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been fortunate enough to be a really good power napper. Mm, so like I am literally too. 20 minutes. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm up. I'm great. I'm feeling good. So. Yeah. I'm a little bit longer than 20, but it takes me maybe five minutes and then I'm out. And whatever oh. time I set my phone for, which is usually 35 or 40. Yeah. I'm awake. There you go. Feel great. <laughs> mindset mindset is just it seems to affect everything these days can you talk to us sure it's noisy out there it's very hard to keep our minds where we want them to be and i say everything is food and that includes the thoughts we think and that includes what we allow into our our ecosphere our energy field whatever you want to call it so we have choice there too if we're watching a lot of the news and the news is distressing, watch less news. I Let me just tell you, ever since seven or eight years ago, it's been very easy for me to just get sucked down a rabbit hole of news because I find it fascinating, distressing and fascinating, our country. Uh, but there was a point in time where I had to just get off Twitter. I was reading Twitter in bed. One of my sleep rules is don't take your phone to bed with you. And I never used to. And all of a sudden I was like, but I, gotta, I have to be up on our... And then I, I realized that might be part of the problem. So I now put my phone down again. I don't take it to bed. Um, but anyway, the inner conversation is sometimes harder to control than the outer. You know, we can turn on music and forget about, so, you know, the noise outside our house, somebody's doing construction ne next door, or the conversation you had with somebody that was upsetting. Maybe it's easy enough at some point to just say like, well, whatever, it wasn't, it's not a big deal. But the conversations we have about ourselves, especially as we age, look at my wrinkles, look at my belly fat. I don't have enough money for retirement. I thought I would have done more by this time. I'm having an argument with my daughter-in-law. Whatever it is, that stuff is poisonous, stressful. And by all means, we should find some way to, to not to, you can't control the thoughts to never have them, but to bring it back to I am, that's it, I am, I'm here. I 
I deserve everything I'm, I have. I deserve to be here. Look at all I have in my life. I mean, that, for me, that really the moment to moment thing is it's a gratitude. I'm satisfied. That's all. And then I started to qualify satisfaction. Like how satisfied? I'm like, Greg, it's the, it's like when you use an adverb, you know, some words don't need qualifying. It's just, they are what they are. So, uh, and I was, do you know who Bruce Lipton is? I know the name, but i Okay, it. so he was a cell biologist. He left uh, medicine and uh, became basically an energy spiritual guy, guru guy. I wouldn't say guru, that's not the right word. But anyway, early when he was a cell biologist, he realized that the Petri dishes had a medium that he would put cells into. And depending on the quality of the medium, which would be considered the environment, the cells did better or the cells did worse. And he started to think, so it's not the cell itself, because he could put healthy cells in a bad medium and they'd get sick. Then he started playing music, good music and like thrash metal music. And then he started yelling like the, the Japanese scientist who did the water experiments where he turned crystals of beautiful when he played lovely music or they turned horrible when he would yell at the water. I know it sounds crazy, but he realized that the environment is responsible for so much of what's going on. When he yelled at the cell Petri dish, little Petri dishes, all the cells would clump to one side. And then when it would stop, they would expand again. And then he started to do research into the body and he realized that stress, especially our self-talk, bad environment, bad air quality, like we had your fires from Canada a couple of weeks ago. It was really bad. We still have them. <laughs> oh, I know. I feel so bad for you guys. I, I'm, I feel conf I mean, I feel happy that they're gone for us, but we just, I, I can speak for all of America. I think we feel terrible that you're going through that. It's just horrible. Um, but anyway, he said that the individual cells in our body respond just like the cells in his Petri dish. Each individual cell can, has a respiration mechanism, an elimination mechanism, a growth mechanism, and a death mechanism, just like our bodies. And when we're talking doo-doo to ourselves in our heads, those little cells can't do any of those functions. They just suck up like into tiny little balls. And now you have trillions and trillions of cells, right? We don't know which of the cells are being affected most, if not all of them, but this is one of the reasons that now even Western medicine is saying reduce stress, reduce stress, because it causes inflammation, depression, anxiety, all of these things. Many of these things, I won't say all, are rooted in how we are treating ourselves. And of course, then there's genetic complications when there are, you know, things like depression and those kinds of things. But the point is the mindset piece. And there are so many great mindset coaches, books, teachers, podcasts to help people listen to something other than themselves. Well, you mentioned gratitude, and I think that's a, a huge thing to, to realize, you know, instead of concentrating on what you don't have or what's crap and what you do have, think about the stuff that's amazing, you know, like, like whether it's a, a blue sky after all the, all the gray smoke in the sky, or you know, a person in your life or, or just something, but also does it help? Or do you think it helps? Cause I think it helps. I'm going to put words in your mouth that at this age, we can look back and, and look at things that seemed like crap at the time, but mm. you know, we survived, we found a way out. And you know, the, I say it a bit too often perhaps, but this too shall pass. Oh yeah. You know, so, so when you get feel bogged under, 
of making an effort to pull yourself out of that. And this too shall pass. And, you know, even if you're just delaying something that you've got to do to make it pass, (laughs) but at least get yourself to that more positive place so you can make a better decision. Yeah, I agree. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when we look back and see how much we've gone through good, elation, bad, you know, horrifying, angry, whatever, but we're still here. And then the ultimate moment of gratitude is I get to because I'm still here. You know, many people our age are not. And every time I read my the paper that I read, they have famous obits on the bottom of the first page. Otherwise, I don't read obits. But whenever I see someone, so-and-so died at 56, I think, oh, I'm older than that. My mom died at 49. I'm like, oh, I'm much older than that, right? So I'm always grateful that I, I still get to. Okay, so you mentioned it, and now you've just talked about your mom, genetics, genes. Mm-hmm. Can you address that? Sure. So when I wrote my book, which I don't have right here, back in 2015, maybe 17, 15. Anyway, when I wrote a book, it was called Your Genes, G-E-N-E-S, Do Not Determine the Size of Your Genes, J-E-A-N-S. And it was because of that Dr. Lipton that I mentioned, the cell biologist, because of his bringing to my attention the study of epigenetics, which epi above genetics are genes, right? So there's something above our genes that influences how we experience our life. And since that time, I've even learned more about how much, so we have genes and then we have gene variations. Like we should all have hundred percent healthy genes, but sometimes something causes a variation in one of those genes. If we get one or more on the same, like, let's just say if you get too many variations on the iron processing genetic pathway, which I have, I end up with something called hemochromatosis, which means that I store iron. So I give blood. But the point being, and I I now work with a company, and I'm not selling you anything. I'm just telling you about this company. (laughs) It's called My Happy Genes. I met her, the woman, it's a woman-owned business. And I met the doctor because she pitched me to be on my podcast. And I had, for the longest time, said, I don't want to do a genetic profile test. I've done one for Ancestry, my brother, who has a different father. We wanted to see what was up, where we came from but I'd never done a genetic profile. And I I said maybe five years ago when I was still in that frame of mind, they're too new, you're gonna get information, you won't know what to do with it, I wouldn't advise it. Well, and then I started to think, huh, if you got information since 90% of how we experience our lives is, is our responsibility, and I got information that indicated that if I didn't take a certain action or two, I might end up in this path, which I don't want to go down, let's say diabetes or Alzheimer's or cancer, wouldn't it be good to know that ahead of time? So this gene company only gives you, you can get five reports, but the only two you can get without a practitioner or a doctor are your diet and lifestyle and your mood. Their their point of difference is they started the company to help people with um, mental and emotional problems like depression, anxiety, PTSD. You can get those two without a doctor. They, they tell you what's going on in your genetic profile, where you're going to be more inclined to be this or less inclined. And the, the actual genetic report, which shows you 500 and some odd genes and the metabolic pathways, which is what they're also different about, that you have to have a doctor about 
because it protects the patient against exactly what I was afraid of. If I gave you information and all you saw was, because it's red if you have two genes that are not good and green if you have, right? If I gave that to you or to me and I didn't know how to process that, I'd freak out. I'd probably say I'm doomed. In some cases, it's like, well, you have these genes that could lead you to diabetes. A person may say, well, everybody in my family has it, so what am I going to do? I'll just keep eating whatever. So now I really think it is, I wouldn't say advisable. I just think it's good information for people that want that extra layer of what should I be doing. For instance, for me, everybody likes kombucha in this country. I don't know about your country. And my girlfriend was like, you got to try it. It's great. You can have it in the evening instead of a glass of wine. I'm like, that's okay. I like my wine, but I'll try it. So I kept buying it and I buy like fermented cabbages and eating them. And I'm like, all right, well, it turns out for my genetic profile, I should not be eating fermented foods because I have allergies and they cause histamine response. I was like, hallelujah, no more kombucha for me. <laughs> so, you know, it, it really can give you just somebody that has chronic inflammation in their stomach, for instance, you're going to find out why that is, what foods or what supplements. Some people take supplements that are really bad for them. Everybody should be on turmeric. Turmeric is one of those things that can be almost deadly for certain people, depending on how they break it down, and yet a wonder drug for other people. So for gen to answer your question, I'm a fan, but I would say whatever company somebody wants to go to, make sure that the report they give them is actually great information. Uh, sorry, reliable information and something you can use. I've gotten a lot of sample reports just to see what other companies did. And some give out information that I don't trust. They're like, well, you have a tendency towards this. So I would eat Brazil nuts and chocolate. And I'm like, well, how can you, you know, so some company and some companies sell supplements. They want to give you their supplements based on your profile. To me, that's a conflict of interest. My happy genes will recommend supplements that they believe will help with the metabolic pathway to restore function in something that's not functioning, but they don't sell supplements themselves. So anyway, I think it's a good piece of information to have. Is there such a thing as a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of, you know, my mother and my aunt and my grandmother all died of breast cancer. So I'm, I will get breast cancer. And I realize now there's the BRCA gene and stuff like that. But just as an example, can we talk ourselves into an illness or something because we believe so strongly in the genetic model? You know, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. But what I can tell you is we are all born females. I don't know about males, actually. We're all born with a BRCA gene. And the BRCA gene is responsible for breast tissue growth. So if you have boobs, your BRCA gene was working. And if not, you know, if you have small ones, I guess it was tired. I don't know. But the point being, if we had cancer, a cancer gene and many cancer genes. Everybody has cancer genes inside of them. If we had them when we were born and they decided to show themselves as a disease at 25 or 50 or 60, what changed? Something gave that gene or gene variation an opportunity to proceed towards a disease path rather than staying shut down. And it's called methylation. I don't want to get too scientific. Methylation means your, your bad genes are covered up in like a hard shell, like think of an egg, and there's the bad gene inside. 
if you're properly methylated, those genes that want to turn into a disease can't, they just can't get outside of that shell. But if we're not methylated properly, if we don't have a lot of res resilience, I'm going to say, in our biochemistry, then things can get bad. Whether you can talk yourself into it, I would say it, there's, it, it goes back to that idea that you said, my, my grandmother has it, my this has it, my that has it, and so I'm going to get it. That's giving up. That's don't, I don't want to take a gene test to find out if I have the same genes as them, but I also don't want to do anything about, like if you never had a genetic test, but you knew that five people in your family had diabetes and you didn't want to change anything about your lifestyle and you ate a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs and you didn't actually, right? That's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But whether we can talk ourselves into a disease, I don't think that's, I don't think I'm the right person to ask. <laughs> okay. Uh, and of course, my warped sense of humor wants to go, you talk about methylated. Isn't methyl a kind of alcohol? Which <laughs> means my wine intake is, is perfectly. It, it's helping you. Yeah. It's covering <laughs> up all those bad genes. <laughs> Not according to the recent studies. Oh, well. oh there's this is I just, I'm going to steal your train of thought for one second. This is another thing that I'm going to write about all these studies. There are so many conflicting stories and science based reports out there. I don't know how people make decisions, honestly. And the the fault lies in some of the journalists publishing some of the studies not knowing exactly what kind of studies produce what kinds of results. Now, will there always be conflicting information? Of course, because as you said, you know, wine, red wine was a godsend a few years ago. Red wine, good for your heart. Still is. Then all alcohol got bad. I, I think it still is. I, you know, I, I'm one of those biased readers. You know, I see journalism <laughs> I don't like. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't care that you don't want me to eat peanut butter. I think peanut butter is healthy. So um, anyway, people should be careful not drive themselves crazy, but be careful about the source that they're getting the information from. And honestly, if you eat well and you feel healthy and you've got good numbers when you get your blood work done and the paper comes along and says, stop eating that, kind of just take it with a grain of salt. I've often said to at least, well, I often, since all this thing came out about don't have any alcohol is, you know, if I, if I quit drinking, today and never have another glass of red wine in my life, I, for example, might live to 110. But if I continue to have a glass or two of wine every weekend, and I only live to 108, mm -hmm. that's worth it to me. I'm with you. There you go. I'm 100% with you. And I think, honestly, when you're with friends, and you're sharing a glass of wine or a bottle of wine, you know, it's an enjoyment thing. It's a connection piece, which is super, super important for us as we age. So, and we all know stories of people who drank, smoked. Now, granted, their genetics protected them from the, the ravages of smoking and maybe the ravages of drinking if they were big drinkers. But I just, I, there's no absolutes for me. So... This hair and these eyes, they're my father's genetics, and he was one of those people, so I'm hoping for the best here. <laughs> I'm yeah, rooting for you. <laughs> Smoking and drinking. There you go. No, I don't smoke. <laughs> let's just Thank you. Let's get that out there. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I have a little list here, and I'm just going to fire words at you and let you word associate. Um, we are those that age now. Hormones, HRT. I'm a that? fan. 20 years plus. 
I changed. I mean, I've always, I haven't always had a good doctor, but that's the key. You have to have a doctor who really understands the stuff and is willing to work with you. And um, yeah. Yeah. I recently interviewed uh, a doctor who was very pro HRT. And he talked about the fact that in the early 2000s, of course, that study came out about um, Premarin and um, mm-hmm. increased the risk women's of health breast, initiative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, increased risk of health, uh, breast or breast cancer, rather. And th- that's the age we are, my friends and I, and we were reading this stuff going like, oh, my God, like, no, we'll take our chances. And now, of course, it was debunked, but that never hit the radio waves. Right. And so, yeah, a bunch of us are looking into it now because apparently it isn't too late. Um, I just still... interviewed a woman. I think her podcast went live this week. Uh, her name is Selma, Selma Rashid. And I interviewed her because she is the first doctor that I've heard say over 60, you can still prescribe HRT for women because a lot of conventional medicine said, that's the age that women will start having heart disease anyway. We don't want to add to it. Well, it's cardioprotective. You're not going to add to it. Then go back to that Women's Health Initiative. They used women that were in their 70s. All of the HRT was chemically made in a lab. There was nothing natural about horse urine going into a woman's body. And, you know, anyway, so there are people out there. It is not too late, Agnes. The doctor that I started with so many years ago said, I said, how long can I be on this stuff? When are you going to take me off? He said, why would I take you off? If it's protecting all these things, he said, I had a woman who's 80. It's been her, it was his patient for, I don't know, maybe 15 years. And she said, you know, I just don't feel like myself. I don't have much energy and all. And he gave her a little bit of estrogen, a little bit of progesterone so she could sleep. And within a month, she was like, I feel so good. I feel like me. So yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. When you could think about, you know, muscle bone density all that stuff that that our hormones hormones affect um i'll get off this other doctor in a second but his i think it was his mother's or his mother-in-law had a really bad fall at age 85 mm-hmm. and so when she healed he said guess what you are going on hrt oh, and wow. it was within a year or two she was like literally getting up off the couch Aww. without hands and things like That's that awesome. so yeah yeah so it really That's really hits good. home that it's not too late That's good yeah metabolism you know we always hear oh my my metabolism slowed so much metabolism does slow down as we age however that doesn't mean that it's it doesn't mean that we have to gain weight. It doesn't mean, it might mean that we gain some weight. It doesn't mean <clears throat> that we have to gain five pounds every year. The most important thing to remember is weight training, weight training, weight training, because weight builds muscle, weight training builds muscle, muscle burns more calories and fat. Well, they say fat, I think it's just the calories. Um, so our metabolism is higher because of that. So if we stop doing everything, you know, we kind of lumpy dump our way through the 60s and 70s and just keep gaining weight and blame it on our metabolism. That's okay, but it's not the truth. And we have to adjust how we eat, not the foods that served us in our 30s, 40s and 50s even may not be the right foods for us as we get into the 60s, 70s. Um, Many women don't tolerate carbs as well. Many women don't tolerate sweets as well. You know, it's just a matter of like you used to love to eat. I don't know, cheese. And suddenly you feel like, well, my digestion isn't so good when I eat cheese anymore. I get a little constipated. Well, then maybe it's time to take it out for a while and see if that really was the problem, right? I'm not an absolutist. Take it out and don't ever eat it again. 
take one thing out at a time and see if that resolves whatever your problem is. But yeah, we just have to be mindful of what we're putting in and what we're putting out. Right. And is it true that our, like keeping that exercise up and keeping our muscle mass up um, helps keep our metabolism up a little higher? Yep, absolutely. Good. Um, I do want to get to food, but that's last on my list because okay. I think it's a big subject. Bone density, same thing, mm-hmm. exercise, etc. Yes, and I back to the HRT. All the docs that I've been talking to, and I've interviewed maybe four uh, over the two years, and they say that really, I mean, yes, exercise and weight-bearing exercise. And I have a weight vest that I'm not really good at wearing these days, but it was fun when I first got it. I have a vibration plate, also good for things. So add in whatever you can. And HRT is meant, is proven to help with bone density. Um, Some people will never have a problem with their bones. They just, you know, they will thin slightly, but they won't get to that osteoporotic place. That's a genetic blessing, those people. However, if those people that have a look, everything looks great in the bone category, but they have bad habits, food habits, or, you know, things that would create an alkaline system, I mean, an acid situation in the body, because they've said, I can't prove this, but I believe in the acid alkaline balance, you know, that could destroy some bone that was trying to be healthy. Um, but exercise really is because it's not just the bones. Imagine when we fall, a lot of times it's a balance problem. I mean, apart from slipping on the ice or being tripped by somebody, we get something. And then if we're unstable, we're more likely to go down. So for me, I'm finding working on my core is really important. And I use an electric toothbrush and does 30 seconds for each quadrant. And I raise one leg for the first 30 seconds. I stand on one foot, then I stand on the other, then I switch again. So I do little things to try and build that balance thing. I'm asking you some of these questions. Like I, I don't really know what you're going to say, but um, <laughs> I, I fitness is part of my background and I still have a senior's fitness class. Oh, yeah. And so these women are all in their eighties and nineties now. And wow every well we only meet once a week now because the facility we we met at was uh, closed for a long time but uh, we do a whole bunch of like hip flexibility we do some lateral moves and then this whole standing on one foot Mm -hmm. we do that but then we do it again with our eyes closed oh oh i have a video on my website about that it's so hard it's so hard but it, it feels so good when I'm sitting there going like, oh, and I close my eyes as so though the, the audience can see, you know, and you just know you're standing there and you're balanced. And I'm going like, yes. I, <laughs> so. I tell you, I close my eyes and I lose my mind. My Is foot it? wants to go down right away. Oh. And I don't practice with my eyes closed. So maybe I will brush my teeth with my eyes closed <laughs> on one foot now. Yeah, yeah. We just, uh, we balance and then like That's on the one great. foot. And then That's I say, great. okay, you know what's coming next. Close your eyes. And, you know, the the chair is right there. So it's like literally fingers off the chair, you know, because as I say, at this age, we don't want these women going sideways. But uh, no, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's great. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to risks. And then we're going to go to food. Risks. Risks. (laughs) Not not these things before our hands. Dementia, diabetes, uh, heart disease. Now, you also mentioned thyroid. And maybe that's a totally different subject. I'm not sure. But like on the website, I saw something about thyroid. 
but these things are not inevitable, are they? No, absolutely not. Like I said, 90%, you can go to Dr. Google and find that statistic on a reputable site that measures these things. 90% of how we age, the the lifestyle diseases, let's, let's put a little bracket around it. So diabetes, heart disease, inflammation, insulin resistance. 90% is us. Responsibility falls to us, which means getting educated about what the best foods for your body are, which means getting out and moving if you haven't been. Any any little bit in the direction of better is better than not trying at all. And it doesn't matter if you have the genetic profile of somebody. I mean, if somebody was diagnosed with diabetes type one when they were four or five, that's a genetic problem. I don't know whether that will, I don't know that they'll ever not have that issue. I don't know how to reverse that, but there are countless, countless study. I mean, not studies, but stories of people who are now no longer diabetic, who don't have heart disease, who've gotten off their, don't get me started about statins, but their meds, let's just leave it at that because they changed the way they treated themselves, the way they gave themselves nourishment and energy. So no, not inevitable at all. Now I, I threw thyroid in there. It's the one I have like six question marks beside it in my notes because it's the one thing I know next to nothing about. Um, okay. where, where does it belong in this whole big picture? It belongs in the top of mind for women that are having symptoms and what are symptoms? You know, the list is long. You can look them up, but most problems that most symptoms that women have that make them sit up and call a doctor are for hypothyroidism, which means you have too little thyroid uh, hormone circulating to do the job, which is metabolism, sleep, temperature control, mood, all those things. So hyperthyroid, which is less common, is when you have too much. Actually, both of them will cause your hair to fall out, but for hyperthyroid people, they have a much higher risk of, of heart disease because they're just, their body's like, their metabolism's too high. They get hot all the time. They're running, their heart's palpitating. That's a rarer. And after 50, more people will present with hypothyroidism, which is what happened to me. I think I was 50, 49, 50, something like that. Um, But getting to the true whether you so most doctors will test tsh thyroid stimulating hormone which is not your thyroid hormone it's pituitary gland stimulates a thyroid the thyroid to produce the hormone right the thyroid isn't doing anything it's just waiting for the pituitary to say something most doctors just test that and they say if you're within the range that the lab says then you're fine the ranges don't take into account anybody who's not in the range right so you know how a bell curve is the people up here, that's where they make the range. What about all the people here? They're too high or they're too low. Something's going on, but they're not getting any attention. So what we need to do is get a full thyroid panel. That t- there, So there are TS, there's T3, T4, reverse T3. Like there's all these things within the thyroid pathway, if you will, that can give a doctor a better indication of something's wrong than just the TSH number. If I were to stay in the range, if I hadn't finally found a doctor, who allowed me to go off the charts to the low end, I'd be miserable, but I'm perfectly healthy now, right? Because I found a great, actually the second doc, we moved, my first doc was uh, where we lived before. 
and I've managed to find a doctor here. There, it's not easy to find doctors that work with bioidentical hormones and thyroid hormones. And I found one guy who does both. So oh I'm in good shape. But anyway, yeah, there's it's it's easy to find out what tests to get. And you can get a test online, but then you have to have a doctor that will say, oh, I see that you're really low in these things. Let's try you on some medication. I prefer a natural thyroid hormone product. There are three different ones, but some people do well on Synthroid, which is common. The only thing I would advise Sometimes docs were going to give Synthroid, it's, it's just T3 or it's T4, I can't remember. But then you're missing the T4 part, right? So I prefer a prescription that has both four people because it mimics what is going on in the body. Really emphasizes the need for like really making sure you've got a, a good doctor who uh, keeps up on things and, and yeah. knows about women's issues too. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. All right, let's go there. Food. What do you want to know about food? It's good. Okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Now you've been saying that, that the carbs are uh, just not, not the, the best source of energy. And I think when we think carbs, we tend to think uh, bread, pasta, that sort of thing. Are, aren't vegetables also? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the problem is not that we eat carbs. The problem is that our American, Canadian, you know, Western diet is full of them. Even in places where you wouldn't imagine it, there's sugar, which is a carb, right? I like a little ketchup on my eggs sometimes. There's, car, there's sugar in my ketchup, right? Actually, you guys have less sugar in yours. I just saw a thing on Twitter the other day. Somebody compared the label of Canadian Heinz ketchup and ours. And all you have is tomatoes and salt and sugar. And we've got like sugar and corn syrup and all these other things. I'm like, I'm going to start buying my Heinz ketchup. And yeah, yeah, but, but our iced tea is loaded with sugar. <laughs> oh, well, we definitely have sugary iced tea here too. Anyway, oh, do you? <laughs> okay. yeah. so it's just an awareness, right? If, if you're balancing, if you're looking for protein and fat first, like let's just say those two at every meal and snack, those two go first to your plate or your mouth. And then whatever, so let's just say tonight I'm going to have, we're going to have grilled chicken thighs and a salad and some string beans and mushrooms, I don't know, something like that. So yeah, in the, between the salad, the string beans, and the mushrooms don't have anything, there's definitely carbohydrate in there, but it's great carb, right? And it's loaded with fiber and all kinds of poly, you know, all those beautiful, uh, colorful vegetable things. So just it's the starchy non-nutritive car or low nutrition carbs that are the problem and that doesn't mean it's not that just for us aging women it's for every human you know how much di uh, diabetes for sure but how much obesity and diabetes are we seeing in children because there's a lot of starch and sugar in our diets it's fast it's convenient we're going to stop at dunkin donuts or 7-Eleven or whatever and grab a thing that's got a roll on the outside. Just And again, if you, some people test their genes, my genetic food profile is the way I've figured out how to eat. Meat is great. Cheese, soft, not hard because it's a histamine thing. Carbs are like, so the scale goes from one to, a, from zero to a hundred green to red. I'm like in the 20% range. Carbs are good. So I can eat carbs, but I prefer to eat less carbs. 
than I used to when I was younger. And I also, I exercised more. And when I was a chef, I was on my feet all day. So I also have to balance my activity level. I don't believe calories in, calories out to the number, but I do believe we have to know basically what we're putting in and then balance that out with some output, right? That output though also figures into so many other pieces of the equation. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I interviewed a life coach coach last year who talked about, because I throw that, you know, 110 age uh, out a lot. And she suggested that, you know, if we figure out whether, you know, however you want to take into account what you might live to, given the times we live in and what's available to us. And sorry, but genetics to a certain yeah, extent. No, um, and say 110 is what do we want life to look like at 110? And then mm -hmm. reverse engineer what we need to be doing now yep. to get there. Do, do you think that's a good idea to sort of? Absolutely. Uh, there's a, a doctor named Peter Atia, A-T-T-I-A. And he he's just produces voluminous amounts of research and um, studies and stuff. And that is exactly the premise of the book he just came out with. How long do you want to live? How do you want to feel? What do you want to be doing? And his thing is, he doesn't, he didn't look at 110, for instance, I don't know what his number is, and say, I want to be like I am today at 47 or 50. He said, I want to have maybe 5%. I know that I will have 5% less energy or, you know, metabolic acuity, whatever. And he did the math so that when he got to 110, he would still have a life that he enjoyed, that he could be independent doing but it wasn't extreme like he lives now. He just knows that's not sustainable. So yeah, I love that idea. Okay. We talked about the wine thing because I, in my notes, I've got my, my friends are all waiting for me to raise this <laughs> question, but I think we've covered that off is that now yeah. you have an expression on your website and I have it over here on my other monitor, but I'm not going to find it quickly. Is it moderation and excess or excess in moderation? Excess in moderation. <laughs> Excess okay. and moderation. Those are my, I have a girlfriend coming to visit this weekend and she, we don't see each other very often. She lives far away and we see each other maybe twice, once or twice a year. I absolutely know I'm going to eat more than I usually do. I absolutely know I'm going to drink more wine than I usually do. And I'm going to love every single minute of it. That's what I mean by excess and moderation, you know, or if, if it's really hot day, my husband and I'll sometimes go out for ice cream in the afternoon. It's not excess, but the sprinkles are excess. I don't need the sprinkles, but I love the sprinkles. So it's those little moments of extra that make life, to me, enjoyable. Yeah, that's great. I used to uh, market for a company that, um, they called it wandering. You know, so you're wandering yeah. down to the ice cream shop. You don't wander <laughs> down there every day or three times a day. Right. You know, you, you just, you know, wander through from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. So, okay, so what you don't know is that uh, part of my business is called Sassy, Savvy, and Successful. Mm. And on your website or on the profile or something, you talk about the five things every woman needs to needs to stay fit, healthy, sassy, and sane after 50. Can you just run through those? You started with that. Can you run through them again, just the five? Or the, okay, or the end well, it's six? five and a half, isn't it, I guess. <laughs> so fall in love with fat. Protein's your friend, protein and fat at every meal and snack. Well, let's start at the bottom. Find a way to get sleep. Find a way to sleep. And even if it's if you sleep for five hours a night and you need a nap in the afternoon, make a way to get that nap in because it all counts. 
move it, move it. It's the bad news that every health podcast you're going to hear it on, I hope. Anyway, we have to find a way to move our bodies every single day. Something every single day. And then mindset and blood sugar. So we've got blood sugar balance. Start listening to your body. It will tell you if you're out of whack. And keep it on mind. You said something before about um, this too shall pass. And I always say there's always a way out of no way. That's the mindset frame we have to live in. It might feel absolutely horrible where we are right now in the moment. Something bad has happened physically, mentally, emotionally. Somebody we love is in a crisis. But there's got to be a way to get through it. Because as you said earlier, look back and see all the times we've had to get through it. So don't give up. And, and perhaps we've reached this stage of life with having the last I don't know, 10, 15 years, I think about when my kids flew the nest, um, where, you know, this, the overall stress levels have been fairly low. And <laughs> so, you know, if things start hitting us now, whether it's death of friends or, you know, whatever, you know, it really takes an effort to stop and think back to, to when we were handling incidents or stuff more, stuff. more often. Do you ever wish you could go back and have what you know now be the person that was in that moment? What would we have done differently? No, because I've had a lot of fun getting here. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Yeah, absolutely. It, the only reason it, it would just be a curiosity. It would okay. be, okay, in the in the wisdom that I have now or the millions of years more experience I have now, would I have really cried for three days when I was in college for that guy that was mean to me? <laughs> like I smoked ecstasy. I smoked in those days. I smoked a lot. I sat in my room and I cried. Would I have done that? Probably not, right? It just would be interesting yeah. if we could go back and see. I don't want to change anything necessarily, not not at all. See, I, I have the opposite thing happen <laughs> where an older friend said, don't date him. And I said, but, and he said, you'll regret it. I said, yeah, oh, I've got yeah. this history of learning things the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so you went there, didn't you? I, I did. I absolutely did. <laughs> but I didn't yeah. cry for three days. Yeah, no. <laughs> Okay. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want mid-age women to think about as that number grows? Yes. Age selfishly. Be who you want to be. Don't let the turkeys get you down. Whatever cliche I can throw at that idea. Uh, it's, it's just so important to milk the moments, whatever we have left. And of course, we never know. From the time we're born, we never know when the last day will be. But I got to say, there's more in the rear view, I think, than there is in the road ahead of me. So just love yourself and let yourself be who you are. Good. On that note, I remember that you mentioned at the very beginning about aging gracefully. And I actually say I want to age disgracefully. <laughs> Good for you. I like that. Where do we find you on the World Wide Web? You find me at rebelliouswellnessover50.com. And my social media links are rebelwell50. Okay. And, yeah. I was just going to say the website. Uh, it's five zero, like the numbers, not the, yes. the, the word. Five zero. Yeah. Okay. You've got a book. You mentioned that. You have a podcast. You mentioned that. Tell us. So the podcast, as you might imagine, is bringing viewpoints uh, from non-mainstream sources perhaps now i've interviewed doctors they're pretty mainstream western medicine doctors but mostly functional medicine 
the overlay of functional medicine, which takes in the whole body. So from psychics to doctors, to HRT, to coaching, to starting over, dying, caretaking, I cover all these things with a view towards having people hear something they might not have heard before. So that is the premise of the podcast. And I'm just about three weeks away from my hundredth episode. I'm very excited about that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, I know you've got way more than that. But um... Well, no, I was just going to say, I went through uh, a page or two of your list of uh, guests and you and I have interviewed some of the same people. Oh, I bet we have. Yeah. I yeah. saw some of the, I did see somebody on your uh, podcast yeah. list too. <laughs> and the book really was written when I was in perimenopause and it is busting the myths. It's, I mentioned the title, but it's busting 10 of the most common myths about women and age. Well, about aging, but it was written for women and it begins itchy, bitchy, fat, and frazzled. If that rings a bell for anybody who's younger than you are, and I am Agnes, it might be the book for them. And there's a free chapter on my website. There's a tab at the top that says book. So, yeah. Okay. So the website link will be in the show notes. Uh, any other links we have, uh, including, I'm going to put in the links to the book and the podcast, even though it's part of your website, like, like mine is, uh, but those will be on your page at our Thank website. You. Thank you. Thank you. So listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us, leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. Share this episode. The number of years may get bigger, but our health issues don't have to increase as well. Both Greg and I say, getting older, it's better than the alternative. I also say I'm going to live forever and so far so good. <laughs> I, I know that won't happen, but all of us should try to stay as active, as healthy as possible as we and as positive as possible. Greg Cox, thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing your wisdom and your positivity with us. Thank you, Agnes. Great questions. Really brought out the, the juice. Well, I just looked at the clock and we've been over an hour. I can't believe it. So wow. thanks. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Have a great rest of the week. Mm -hmm.